Season 4, Episode 1 of the Bearded Carcast. This is a post, well, it's not really a post-pandemic because we're still in the middle of it, but it's uh, a return to the Bearded Carcast for Dave Friedman and me, Mike Pacheco, and I don't even know what you look like, Dave, anymore. I haven't. I don't know when the last, I physically last saw you, I think, in July. Was it July or June? I think uh, Richard Gere is about how I look. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's so the pandemic's much, been good like, for you. <laughs> Yeah, very good. It's been very good. <laughs> well, it certainly has been strange. You know, we, we both look back. Uh, the last bearded car cast we did was, uh, I guess it was right after the Winthrop win in the Big South Conference Tournament, which was a crazy week because we went from uncertainty, um, thinking that, okay, maybe we'll be going somewhere, maybe we'll be staying close to home, uh, to no tournament, and then the world shutting down. Uh, of course, now as we record this in September, things are slowly starting to uh, get back. You know, baseball's you know towards the uh, the back half of their season. Playoffs in the NHL and uh, in the NBA, and you know now college football is underway in the NFL, getting ready to to kick off this week. And it, I think the while there's I think uh, glee maybe or you know happiness that. We're starting to get back. I, I, everything is tinged with apprehension. I th- and I think that's completely reasonable. I mean, you have your fantasy draft and you ask yourself the question, why am I even going through with this? Because are they going to make it through the season? I mean, the baseball season has gone off, but not without a hitch. I mean, there have been several teams dealing with COVID ramifications. The bubble has obviously worked. I, I must tell you, Mike, I've watched more NBA over the last couple of months than I had in any consecutive time in a long time because we get so involved in college basketball and then you kind of pick up the NBA after the college hoop season ends. Not only is their product incredible, I've been just mesmerized by watching the games, but Adam Silver has done a remarkable job. And a lot of it is resources. A lot of it is throwing money at it. But the job both the NBA and the NHL have done in the bubble, being safe and providing a terrific product has really been a a hats off to to the people that run those leagues. Now, this is not sustainable uh, from a ratings. And and if we get back, you know, we'll get back to putting people in the seats. What I what I've really enjoyed is and mostly because like you, uh, you know, a lot of my uh, work has been cut in half or more than that. Uh, but it's been especially early on. It was great watching games at like two in the afternoon. Yeah, I like you said, not great for television ratings. And I think that's been a big part of the, the issues with the ratings is having to play games throughout the day. But yeah, for for. The, the guy sitting at home, and that's you and that's I, to be able to watch LeBron James or James Harden or any of, like, the, the thing is, those are the names you think of, but some of the other players, it wasn't that long ago that you and I watched Seth Curry play at Liberty. Yeah. And now he stars in NBA games. Torrey Craig was not given scholarship offers from anyone except USC Upstate. Now he plays meaningful minutes in NBA playoff games. And I've been, some of the strategy, some of the coaching is is just superb. And whether it's 2 in the afternoon or 10 o'clock at night, I have really, really enjoyed watching it. I mean, Nick Nurse is the coach 
of Toronto. And I think in basketball circles, people respect him and you hear his name. But since the pandemic where I've watched a lot of their games, I mean, he, he's a basketball savant. Yeah. The way that they play both sides of the court, I think you hear a lot about his offense, and maybe it's because we're around Winthrop a lot, and Pat Kelsey has talked about Nick Nurse's offense and the shot spectrum, but what about the way they play defense, where they mix in zone, they have several different zones that they use. This is a team that lost one of the five best players in the NBA, and here they are in a 3-2 series in the Eastern Conference semifinals, battling back from a 2-0 deficit. I'm wildly impressed by them. The same thing with Brad Stevens, and we we got a taste of him in the college game, but, but the way they play, it just, it flows and it makes sense and it's reasonable. And, and, and quite frankly, if sports can be beautiful, it's beautiful to watch. They play the game the right way. I, I mean, the restart has done a lot of things. I mean, teams that were smoking during the regular season, like maybe Milwaukee, have not been nearly as good in the playoffs. They were eliminated by Miami the other night. But even if it's an abridged season, a weird season, a stop-and-start season, you still have to acknowledge what you're watching is brilliant. And while I am a college basketball guy and all 350 teams, I try to kind of see once or twice and know the coaches and understand what they're doing. The argument that the NBA is a better product than college basketball is undebatable. It is it is an amazing product. Now, the problem still persists. There are games, not in the playoffs, but there are games that there's load management, players don't play, the regular season might be too long, things like that. But but. The level of play, the way the individual players, what they can do, is it's just amazing. It's going to be really interesting if college basketball comes back, and it comes back without fans. The things that college basketball and college football have going for them that professional sports do not have is the fans, the alumni, the cheerleaders, the tailgate, the band. If none of those things are present, it's not that I won't be interested as a diehard, but boy, if you only have a few hours to watch a sporting event, what would be the reason at that point to watch a college game over a professional game? Well, the other thing that I find that's interesting is, you know, this kind of eliminates the home field advantage in the sense of, you know, thinking, I'm thinking, you know, more in the NFL, but you, you see it in college basketball too. Uh, but with all, when, you know, it gets really loud and you can't, you know, maybe you don't hear everything the coach says, or, uh, you know, if you're on the line, you know, and you're, you know, you're in new England or you're in Indianapolis and it's crazy. And, you know, you're not hearing the right cadence. Or you're not hearing the right check downs. And, you know, the, you know, in a bubble, you can't, you know, there's no way to mimic that. And so, so I wonder if it, it in some minimal way favors the the visiting team. Well, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think the the less atmosphere is going to help out the 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 road team. But, you know, I mean, what is home field advantage worth? In the NFL, you know, they claim it's two and a half or three points, kind of the same general idea in other sports. So, maybe now that's worth a point or a point and a half. I mean, I, I don't think that has unbelievable difference but when we start talking about the NFL games this week you know the the teams that would normally have big loud crowds well yeah that that's going to be different i mean the saints on opening day 
facing Tom Brady in New Orleans, it's going to feel a lot different when there's no one there. Now, there are some teams planning to have limited attendance. I don't know how big an impact that has either. You and I have broadcast plenty of games in 10,000-seat arenas with 600 people there. I don't know that that that's going to be a great benefit. Yeah, and I I will say, though, competitively, there hasn't been – I haven't noticed much, you know, Watching the the Bruins Lightning series, uh, you know some of those games. You know you, when you hear people talk about, you know, oh, the fans really gave us a lift, and I think there is value in that. But you know the intensity um, in a lot of these games, I think has has been there, which is a, you know a testament to these guys as pros. I mean, they're obviously there to do a job, and uh, but there's still a, a love of what they do, and that 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 shines through. Um, and I think the Celtics, the Toronto, yeah, I mean. No, I was just saying, getting back to the You the hit it on the head. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I tried. I mean, well, I mean, someone once called you a true professional. <laughs> well, that's true. And, yeah. and that's, what professional, yeah. that's what professional athletes are. I mean, if you're broadcasting a game at Rupp Arena with 20,000 people, it's fun and it's cool and it's exciting. But it's really no different than broadcasting a game at the Templeton Center in front of 612. I mean, the, the broadcast is the same. The atmosphere is different. It, it makes sense to me that whoever it is, the Bruins or the Lightning or the Celtics or the Lakers, they're still going to play their A game. It's not real sensical that because Joe Blow is sitting in the seats, LeBron James is going to play better. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Right, not not appreciably, but you could see it in spurts, though. You know, if um, and and it's more on a, on a micro, real micro, micro level. Uh, but these guys are, you know, they're the best in the world, and I think maybe that's what's been on display for for people that haven't been able to watch as much. Uh, or reaffirms what we've known about the NBA. I, I've enjoyed it too. I mean, I think it's been it's been fun to watch. I've, you know, I, I know we may get into this later, or maybe we get into it now. You know, we talked about you know best and worst of, you know what has been uh, so far in the in the pandemic for us. And for me, one of the best things has been just the amount of time that John and I have spent together, my son. And, you know, we joked, uh, you and I joked about this um, a couple months ago, uh, but you asked me, like, so what's going on? Like, how are you doing? And I said, well, I've become the gym teacher and the cook. Um, but that's yep. been but that's been fun. Um, but the um, I, I guess what's been kind of neat is seeing the joy in him in watching games. You know, uh, you know, he, John is very much, um, he might not watch every game, but he knows what's going on. I mean, he's he's looking at YouTube, he's looking at Yahoo Sports, he's looking at all these different um, you know sports websites and, and reading stories, kind of like what we did when we were kids with the newspaper. Um, but and he and he's really gotten in because you know with me, um, you know with the Celtics still playing, you know that's been fun. He he's become a Bruins fan over the last couple of years, so we're a little disappointed there. Um, but it's been fun watching him enjoy watching sports and you know sometimes we just you know you know you don't have busy schedules and sometimes you know i'm not home around a lot when games are going on so i don't know what he's doing he's doing homework he's doing you know but it's been fun to kind of um see that kind of ignited in him and it's kind of reignited me a little bit Uh, you know it's it's hard to go i mean i've been working pretty much nonstop since 1991 and in doing games really since 2001 nonstop and um you know, I don't really have much of an offseason. I'm not complaining. I mean, I love what I do, but it's been kind of nice to just take a breather and just kind of view view these games as a fan. I mean, I still kind of think of it from a broadcaster, but it's fun to just 
you know, sit back and, and watch teams play. Well, I've joked with people that uh, I didn't expect to retire at the same time that my mother did. <laughs> well, and I say I, I'm I mean, on an unpaid mom, sabbatical. Yeah, I mean, my mom was a teacher for years and years and just stopped teaching after last year. I didn't realize that my work was going to come to a close at that point, yeah. too. But let me ask you this about John, because at that age, it would have been really difficult for me to not be playing sports. Is he able to play sports? Well, the uh, and this is just from, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a parent now and you know, I really felt like he was going to take a, a, a good step in baseball. Um, you know, he's getting bigger, he's getting stronger. Um, you know, he's, he's just been doing a lot of stuff and we really, I mean, we've thrown the baseball around a little bit, but we haven't done, you know, for a long time, you couldn't go to fields. Um, right. And, and we lost, we lost a spring season. Now they've pushed everything back. It's in school. Um, and they're limiting participation. They have to, you know, like I, I thought about maybe having them with no football, have them do like cross country, just do something. There were only two boy sports in, in, uh, in eighth grade. And, uh, and the other one was cross country, but they're limiting it to like 15 kids. And I think there were like 40 kids that were on the team last <laughs> year. And I was thinking, well, that's not really, I mean, not that he would beat out these kids. I don't mean like that or get preferential treatment, but it's like, you know, it's, it's not fair for these guys who really want to do this and you're just doing it to stay in shape. Like, so anyway, long story yeah. short, we were able to, um, I think he's going to have a chance to try out for Babe Ruth. They, they started the South Charlotte Babe Ruth program again after, uh, you know, we were signed up for May or for March. Actually, no, it was going to be May, which was cool. They, they, they slotted it so that kids that did play middle school uh, on their middle school teams could still play Babe Ruth, but they also did it so that kids that didn't make teams would have a, a place to play too. So they're going to start that up. We just signed him up on Saturday. So, um, but we didn't do any basketball. Like, you know, I was going to, you know, with, um, you know, Bjorn and Anders Broman, they, uh, former Winthrop basketball players, they have their own basketball training academy. And I was going to have them do some stuff with them, but you know, that, that kind of went by the wayside. So we might look into doing that again, but the more, I guess the better way to describe it, Dave, is I feel like this was a little bit more like my childhood for him in that, um, you know, I mean, we did some organized sports, but it wasn't nearly to the level of organization that it is now. Um, and so it's more, it's been more like he's been, um, with, you know, with precautions and social distancing, he's been doing more stuff with the kids in the neighborhood and he rode his bike a ton. And so, I mean, from that perspective, it, it gave him more of like a flavor of what it was like, you know, maybe growing up 20, 30 years ago when, you know, we did, you didn't go out all the time and for dinner and you didn't, uh, you know, you didn't have practices three times a week. They had to be driven to and, and games and this and that and the other thing. So, um, it's been, it's, I mean, I think it's been fun. It's been good in the sense of it's really slowed life down in a, in a good way. And now, you know, who knows how quickly or if we ever get back to the way things were. I mean, I think the, the, the goal and the design is that we do, but I think there are some things that are, that are, that, are, that have been nice in this as, as far as a pace of pace of life, I think has been good. Now, it it stinks not working and I'm ready to get back to work. And, you know, with Panthers coming up, that's, that's good. And hopefully with college basketball on the horizon, uh, we'll be getting back to work. But I think it, it has been, I've had more time to reflect the last six months than probably any time in the last 20 years. As it pertains to the sports world and in no way am I 
not recognizing or understanding that this has been incredibly difficult on a lot of families and there has been a lot of loss throughout the world. But as it pertains to the sports world specifically, it is a little bit heartbreaking for the players who, not the upper echelon professional athletes who will be able to figure it out and play another year, but the the lower level, maybe college athletes or the Olympic athletes who didn't get to participate and might never have that chance again, that the seniors who lost out on their last year, or even if you're a, a Big Ten or a Pac-12 football player, maybe the right decision was made not to play, but you may have just lost out on something that you kind of thought about and looked forward to and were working towards for your entire career, your senior year, your final year, and, and that may go by the wayside now. I'm sure some of those players are going to be invited back to play next year, but at some point you might want to move on with your life. Not everyone, that's the most single most important thing and it's very tough it to me if you were a football player and you had been practicing and you were getting ready to go and then the season ended or last year if you were a college player and you know you have one shot to go to the ncaa tournament maybe you make the ncaa tournament like winthrop did and then you don't get to play in it i mean the, the world has bigger problems but for someone that might have been a very good basketball player for a very long time and they finally punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament and then there is no NCAA tournament and oh you're not good enough to be a professional and your career's over and this thing that's been the most important thing to you for a very very long time is just gone that that's tough well and in an era where we have really protected and supported kids and student athletes to fulfill their dreams. And that's great. And I, and I think it's good that they, they have this opportunity. I think though it is a slap stark reminder is probably the better way to put it, not a slap in the face, but a stark reminder um, about dealing with life and life's not fair. And sometimes yep. adversity strikes and, and I, and I'm very sympathetic. I mean, I completely um, hate it for these, for, for the high school athletes, college athletes, Olympic athletes, people that, you know, have had their training interrupted and, and maybe we'll never have a chance to get back to that elite level in a weird kind of way. And you know, my story, Dave, I kind of can empathize because I had my senior season in football taken away at Merrimack. Um, and I really thought I had a chance to, to go from, you know, being like, you know, second, third string to maybe start. And, uh, you know, long story short is that the school decided they didn't want to spend the money on football anymore. A lot of our schools were moving up to a, a, um, a division three or division two level. And our school said, no, we, we didn't want to do that. So we're, we're just going to bag it. Of course they brought the, the sport back five years later, but that's another story near here or there. But, you know, so I felt that was kind of something that was taken away, but you know, you have to adapt, you got to move on and, you know, and you know, I ended up, you know, winning a couple of intramural championships. So it's not the same, but uh, <laughs> I say that as a joke. Cause that do you have those doesn't. championship rings? Um, now for a long time, I had those championship t-shirts. See, at that level, no, Dave, there you go. at the intramural level, Dave, it's not about the rings. It's about the shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the shirts. <laughs> so this morning, the ACC basketball coaches announced that they are proposing that next year, this coming season, everyone makes the NCAA tournament. High Point, Charleston Southern, Winthrop, Duke, Florida State, all the way down top to bottom 
this seems bizarre to me. Like, I, I, I understand that we're in this unprecedented um, environment. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. But I don't get it at all. What, what, what's the point of the regular season and the conference tournaments if you're going to invite everyone at the end of the season? Now, I would normally um, agree with you. And in fact, I do, to some extent, understand what you're saying. And I do think from an organizational standpoint, how, what does it look like? How does it work? Uh, I think from a marketing, though, and a business side of things, um, you know, now, if it's in the existing TV contract, no more money, I, I don't know how much more that makes sense. But if we're looking at generating extra revenue and, and trying to help support some of these programs that are just decimated, um, you know, I think it makes sense maybe from a business standpoint if there's some way to generate rev- extra revenue off of this. Now, th- that's a huge number, though, Dave. I mean, are we talking a bunch of play-in games first and double, triple buys? Like, I, I don't know how – organizationally, I do have questions on how it would work. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think anyone has that answer. I don't even think the people that proposed it have the answer as to how it would work. But, yeah, I mean, there would have to be playing games. I just, like, I think the thought is that the non-conference season might go up in flames or be some sort of deal where those with uh, resources are able to play in a bubble, those without may not be able to, so teams might be playing different numbers of games. There's a possibility that you could have some sort of interruption, whether it be non-conference or conference season and yada, yada, yada. But I don't think we're there yet. Like, like to me, let's figure out what the season's going to look like and then figure out what the postseason is after that. And if you're only playing conference games, the argument goes, well, then we can't compare conferences to conferences because we don't know what they did out of conference. So how can we equitably fill the tournament? Well, I mean, take four teams from the power conferences and two from the mid-majors and one from the low-majors or come up with a formula of some sort. You can have some uh, at-large teams that a committee picks. But but to include everyone significantly devalues the tournament. I mean, you already have 68 teams making it. It's kind of like the current baseball playoffs. I think both of us have really enjoyed watching this abridged baseball season. And yeah, it's not the same, and it's hard to compare to the 162-game season, and there have been teams that have had to sit out. But my God, it's it's summertime, and the sun is out, and it's nice to watch a baseball game. And I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about some of the new rules. I think they've generally been accepted and liked. But the one that just I can't get over is all of the teams that are going to make the playoffs. You have taken what is an achievement, something to feel good about. Our team made the playoffs to, oh, basically half the league makes the playoffs. Anybody that's decent gets in. I I just hate that. And I understand that it's a money grab. More postseason games equals more revenue. But once they get that more revenue, I don't think it's going anywhere. And to me, that has always been the great difference between the NFL and baseball, where if you made the playoffs, you had a good season. And the NHL and the NBA, where half the league gets in, and you better win a series or two to feel good about yourself. Well, I think in the long term, I agree with you. In other words, I don't know that the baseball playoff model, I would be that excited about moving forward. Now, 
you know, if you're, you know, the eighth team in, I think you're excited about it, right? Um, but I think a lot of this stems from what you just said, Dave, is just trying to, you know, one, try to recoup some of the revenue. I mean, it, it's there's no way, this is a lost year, let's face it, right? No one's going to make back the money that they've lost this year. At least most people won't um, in, in the sports world. But it goes back to what you were saying, though, too, I think, right? Um, and, and to kind of mesh the, the, the playoffs with um, the NCAA tournament expanding to maybe 351 teams. Uh, is that, And I think this is kind of where Coach K and the ACC coaches are coming from. You know, in addition to not wanting to maybe have a non-conference schedule, you know, maybe put it in the back end instead of the front end, if you will, um, and playing extra games through the tournament. But think about this, right? For kids that or for players that that lost last season, um, and maybe never have a realistic chance of making the NCAA tournament, you know, now you can maybe have you know a good feeling about your a better feeling about your your college career because you had the chance to play in that tournament. Well, I, I, I'm sure that for a certain group of people, that is true. But making the NCAA tournament has always been a huge deal. I mean, so let's assume the Big South has a normal regular season, and then let's say they play a conference tournament. I, I'm not particularly sure why you would play a conference tournament at that point because you wouldn't be awarding anything but let's say they played a conference tournament and let's say Winthrop plays um, Radford in the Big South championship game I mean all of the excitement that you have of a birth in the NCAA tournament being on the line goes out the window. So at the end of the game, if Radford wins, I can go and the final score, Highlanders 68, Eagles 62, Winthrop is going to the NCAA tournament. And that doesn't make any sense. It it just, it it makes, yeah, I'm sure there's seating and buys and stuff like that. It, it, It just really makes the year meaningless. Like what is the point of playing the season? Because everyone's getting into the postseason. But I, I will say this, Dave. Though it's it's isn't it also, you know, extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures. You know, it, I, it, absolutely. Like I don't think this is something that I would be in favor of on a yearly basis for 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 the, what you just enumerated. I completely understand that. And I and this is sometimes maybe where you and I and this isn't a bad thing because we're two different people, but we think differently, right? Sometimes you're a little more analytical. Hold on, and, we are. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, some people think we're a lot alike, but. Um, you know, and I tend to be more the, the touchy feely emotional guy. And so I think in this case, I can see for one year for what I just described is, you know, giving some, some positivity to, to students, student athletes that, you know, didn't have the chances, uh, or would not maybe in a normal situation have opportunities to, uh, to play in a tournament. And I think from a player perspective, um, you know, I don't know if the, the players would care as much. In other words, the high major guys probably wouldn't care as much, right? I mean, they're, they're going to play in the, most of them are going to play in the tournament anyway, but you know, they're going to play teams that, you know, maybe they normally wouldn't play. I don't know if that probably doesn't, isn't as much of a draw for them as it is for, you know, a, a school that, you know, in a one bid league, particularly, um, you know, if you're not in the upper echelon, or if you don't catch fire at the tournament, you know, we did see that we've seen that in the past in the big South tournament, you know, a, a fairly mediocre Liberty team, Caught hot, got hot in the tournament and, and won it all. Um, you know, 
I, I think those opportunities are there. It's probably not as, as much as it would be in a normal 68 tournament. I mean, it's, it's unrealistic, I think, or not realistic that you're going to see some of those teams at the bottom with, with upsets of bigger teams. But, you know, who knows? You know, I, I think just I, – I would say this, so just to wrap up my portion of this, I just think it's in a one year, the kind of year that we've had, if it gives, you know, joy to – you know, some fan bases and some student athletes that wouldn't have the opportunity. I'm okay with it. I wouldn't be in favor of going that deep in the future, but I think a one year after what we've gone through, maybe it, it, it you know, is something that could unite people um, from an excitement standpoint. And if you did have some, you know, some crazy Cinderella upsets, um, you know, I think that could be, that could be good for people. And Mike, that's why the bearded car cast is back to bring joy to the masses. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Carlisle's and about six other people have, have, have missed us dearly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's all about feeding the masses. I mean, I can't tell you how many emails and texts and phone calls I've had in the last six months about where has the podcast been. And by I can't tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for them. To <laughs> no, come actually, but no, they're, they're, it's, it's, you're being somewhat facetious. But they're, they're, from time to time, I've had friends go, hey, what's going on? It's, you know, yeah. what? it's you know, I, I think. Uh, while you and I have very uh, robust discussions about what's you know globally going on, uh, and not just in the pandemic, um, you know, I this isn't about that. The the, the bearded car cast really, um, you know, sometimes we do delve into social issues and political stuff, but we didn't want to get bogged down into that. Um, it just this isn't the forum for that, or at least not for us. I mean, we could do something else, I think, but this is really. You know the the genesis of this, and if you are listening to the Bearded Carcast for the first time, you know it really it it was born out of uh, Dave and I covering Winthrop basketball, going to uh, a lot of road games together uh, because you know we're, we're broadcast partners, and we had great conversations in the car. We thought, hey, this would be kind of fun and interesting, and maybe a little bit unique. Uh, and most of the time, we are driving in a car. Um, you know, in the off season, obviously, we still haven't done that. Um, and probably wouldn't be recommended right now. I don't think we could, you yep. would have to get like a van and to be six feet apart. Right. Um, yeah, but, yep. um, so it, and really there was no sports going on. And so I think we felt like, um, you know, and sometimes we take about a two or three month hiatus in the summer anyway. So this, it just came a little bit early this year. Uh, but we're back. Well, some of the fun things we've done in the summer have been, you know, interviewing, you know, the Eric Spanbergs oh, yeah, of the world. Yeah, well, yeah. You, we, we can interview, you know, remotely, but part of the fun in that is is seeing an old friend right, and getting right. together and maybe grabbing lunch before or after. And, you know, we're not able to do that. And if you're not able to do something the best you can, sometimes it's still worth pushing forward. But, you know, th this to a large degree is something that we just enjoy doing. And if we can't enjoy it to the best of our ability, there's no particular reason to do it. Now, that I will being say, said... Oh, God, don't continue. No, 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 please. No, I was just going to interrupt by saying that uh, the Bearded Carcast home studio has been uh, is being remodeled right now. The, uh, the kitchen is... Uh, yes. So the next time you're here, uh, when you're able to come to the house, uh, it's going to be a completely different look. It's going to be, we have a yeah, screened-in porch coming that's in. that's been quite a project. It's been quite the project. And that's the other yeah. thing I've been spending. But that, that might be one of the worst, uh, best and worst, right? Because we're excited about what's going on. But I literally um, have not had a kitchen in about 28 days. 
Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is an amazing time to get home projects done. I mean, there's a great opportunity when you're not busy with other things. You're not bogged down by by lots of uh, responsibilities. It's a great time to work on your house. We've done some of that here as well. Yeah, I mean, we needed to do just some general stuff and some bigger stuff because, you know, we, we're going to be in this house, so we figured – Let's uh, let's spruce it up a little. It's been time. We were in the house eighteen years, and we've done you know some modest stuff, but it was it was time to kind of do uh you know do some things to modernize the kitchen and the, the screened in porch um, is going to be that may actually awesome. weather dependent or weather permitting that could be the new uh, podcast yeah, studio. Well, and that because it's outdoors would be a lot a lot safer to do a podcast in. Now, now we're talking. Oh, I mean, that's we true. Could be you, six feet apart on the could. outdoor deck, that could work. We could. So you're gonna love this, right? So I've with and you are like this too a little bit. So I, when it comes to a lot of things, I hoard a lot of. I shouldn't say hoard, but um, I one of the good things about this shutdown has been um, I've gone through and just thrown away a lot of junk. And I know you love doing this. You love sifting through things that why do I have this you know I mean I had media guides from like 2008 I'm like I don't what are they doing here they're just taking up space so I I dumped a lot of I've I've taken this time to really uh to declutter the house kind of like not quite decluttering it's not quite like decluttering the the Twitter account but uh I love doing that that. that's like one of my favorite like if I'm not in a good mood like can I can I run out a few of the people I follow on yeah. Twitter and kind of be more efficient with it? Yeah. Love doing that. So, but but one thing we do do, and it, it it's smart because, um, in fact, putting this together so that we could tape, we're using a new system than we have in the past, and so I had to get some cords. Um, our first, our first iP- iPad when we far, first started doing our remote, uh, like our videos on the road, our on the road videos, we used uh. Like a, it was a uh, a long mic stand, um, that I I could put in a, an attachment to to hold the iPad. Um, and now since we have had two or three different tripods, and we finally found a tripod that we like. So the mic stand has basically been uh, kind of obsolete over the last two years, but we still bring it because you never know if we what we're gonna need it for, right? So John just started playing the guitar. We got him a guitar for his birthday. And, awesome. Uh, um, so he's playing the guitar and he's having a tough time, like, because he was using an app to help him before we could, because we not like, not quite comfortable with lessons yet. Like, I think that's the next step. Yep. And we want to do lessons, but yep. you know, we got to figure that out. But anyway, so he's been doing this app, and it's it's just awkward for him because you know you, you you know you have to hold the guitar with two hands, and he's trying to like. So I said, wait a minute, I have a little iPhone thing that will connect to the <laughs> mic stand. So I connected it to that, and then I put his phone in there so he can like, you know, it's eye level, so he can be, he can, you know, pl- hit play and then start playing the playing the guitar. Love it. I'm good technically. That's outstanding, and I, I, very good technically. I'm not so sure though that if he gets good on the guitar, or quite frankly, even if he's terrible on it, he he might want to uh, create some some intro music for this Ooh. bearded car cast. It yeah. could be an in the family sort of right. uh, yeah. thing. And we wouldn't have so to worry about rights be... fees either. <laughs> exactly. Well, it would be an original piece. Maybe our mass audience would listen to it, and someone would want to buy uh, some <laughs> John right. Pacheco originals. Yeah, yeah I love We've it. gone much too far, Mike, though, without inviting our listeners to email us at beardedcarcast at outlook.com. I'm sure that you've been on top of the email, and we've probably received several offers of hundreds of millions of dollars from uh, 
from um, um, people in far-off lands in Africa or wherever yeah, those... Kuala Lumpur, those, I think, is where we're pretty... Well, they, there's a lot of money in Kuala Lumpur, I think. I think... I feel like Jason Killeen played professional basketball <laughs> in Kuala Lumpur for a short period of time, though I could, I could have that wrong. Certainly appreciate if you if you followed us on on iTunes or on Stitcher. If you followed us on BeardedCarcast at Outlook.com, send us an email or follow us on on Twitter or, and 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 tell us what you like and what you don't like and how the pandemic has treated you and and we want to hear from our listeners. We miss you. Well, and uh, we did get uh, this, Dave, from Simon Deng. Uh, at hotmail.com. Uh, he, payment has been transferred directly to your bank account. You should receive the payment within two days, finding closed payment receipt from our finance team. Excellent. Well, wh- when, sure was wh- that, um, when was that sent? Uh, that was sent uh, actually today at uh, 5.30 in the morning. Okay, so it's uh, September 9th. So you expect that payment uh, Friday? I'm hoping for that. And now, um, I think we've heard from Victor Carlos Navarro before. Uh, but he says, good day. <laughs> I hope you and your friends and family are doing well amongst the, this pandemic. Uh, it has come to be a strange time as well. He's the senior staff at this bank. Um, kindly respond to this email for a business deal. So this is kind of like a hook without the worm. You know, it's not like, mm. it, you know, it's not Sounds like. Sounds legitimate. Yeah. I mean, seems legitimate to me. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people struggling during these times. But if you invested, you know, in the five huge stocks, the the Apple and and uh, Netflix and and Google and and those sort of things, you know, you could be bringing in a lot of money. And I'm not surprised that those people that are of great means are reaching out to the Bearded Carcast to see if they can help. I mean, you know, you and I haven't done a ton of work over the last six months. And it's nice to know that people across the world are concerned about us and are willing to lend a helping hand. Yeah, still, you know, still looking for those uh, business opportunities. And, you know, Dave and I are very comfortable. uh, You know, if you have an offshore, you know, if you have a big windfall offshore of like you know 70 or 80 million that you're trying to unload yeah we'll take 25 million of that yeah right yeah i mean you know we'll do what we can we'll, we'll just <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be we'll, we'll make be it available work. yeah I, I mean and with that 25 million how much of it are we going to bet on this week's nfl slate because the the nfl season is here and i think in large part we're restarting the podcast because you and i both enjoy the nfl of course you follow the panthers closely but um, you know, because of no preseason games, to a small degree, it feels like it is sneaking up on us. But I, I, I'm very excited, and I don't know if they're going to have COVID disruptions or not. But right. but in terms of getting ready for the year and 
the things that you normally do, you know, looking up stats and players and coaches and seeing who's moved teams. And we're now a day away from the opening day. I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to watching professional football. And, And maybe a part of it is I feel like the professional basketball and the professional hockey has been so good. The quality has been so good. I don't have any reason to believe the NFL is going to be different. Now, maybe they're going to have the issues that baseball does, and maybe there are going to be games canceled and players at the last minute that can't play. But but on a grand scheme, I'm really pumped up to watch the games, and I don't know if there's a bigger storyline than, you know, maybe, I, I don't know if, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would say that Tom Brady has been as important an athlete in your watching and viewing and fandom in the last however many years. And he's now in the Panthers division with the Buccaneers. I mean, I'm excited to see how that works out. Well, and it's almost like a triangulation, right? Because I I think the corresponding move of Cam Newton leaving Carolina and going to replace Tom Brady is, um, you know, it's part of the story. You know, it may be 1A, 1B, 1C. You know, know, people have different opinions on, on the stacking of that. I mean, I agree with you. Tom Brady is is kind of the the, the glacier moving. I mean, that's a huge, you know, that's a huge move. And then you bring in, you know, Rob Gronkowski and you know, in, under Bruce Arians, and then you have uh, Leonard Fournette uh, in, in in a division that you know already had a really good Saints team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's. I am very intrigued to see this, and I think you know nationally, I think the narrative, Dave, is. All right, now we're going to get to see whether Tom Brady was the reason for all this or whether he was a system quarterback. And I think that's going to be a big question. I think that's something people will be looking for, at least in the first couple of weeks, to see how that plays out. Well, I mean, that's part of it, but his age is a part of it, too. If he is not great, and I anticipate him being not great, but probably good or capable with some very good moments— I mean, part of it is going to be he has passed his prime, and now he's playing with tremendous weapons. Bruce Arians is an unbelievable offensive coach, but if he is kind of up and down, that doesn't mean that he was made because of Bill Belichick. He played the prime of his career in New England. Now he's a different player in Tampa. It also is going to say a great deal about Bill Belichick. What is his offense like with Cam Newton? How are the Patriots going forward? Let me ask you this. Are Please. you more excited to watch the Buccaneers play or the Patriots play? Oh, that's a great question. I think for me, it is it is almost 50-50. Only because, you know, for nine years, you know, I covered Cam Newton and I saw that guy make some amazing plays. Uh, and, you know, I... I I learned to really appreciate who he was for a person in that, um, you know, he did have flair. He's a different guy, but he's very confident. I think how he's rebounded from, you know, the situation of being off for what was like 89 days that he was a free agent uh, before signing with New England. I want to see how much gas he has left in his tank. I I think healthy, um, he can be among the, you know, top 10 quarterbacks in the league, no doubt. And I think he can take that team to, to a good playoff run. Uh, but the million-dollar question with him is, is he healthy? And then you go back to Tom Brady, and, you know, for me, is it, uh, to your point, does he still have 
uh, I don't know if you saw that movie. Does he still have enough tank as well, right, in the tank? Um, For the Love of the Game. I don't know if you remember this movie, right? So Kevin Costner plays this uh, Detroit Tigers pitcher who's in the twilight of I his I almost career. went with Kevin Costner instead of Richard Gere as to who no, I you, yeah. like well, you know, It was, it was he, a close. I, there are times where I think you do look like Kevin Costner. I think maybe people have told you that, but... Um, yeah, once in a while. Yeah, once in a while. Um, but, you know, he, he plays this aging ball player, and, and you know, he's trying to... The, the similarities are off the field are completely different, but the parallel is the, the story of the movie is told through one game where he's throwing a no-hitter. Uh, and there's a famous Vin Scully line, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but because Vin Scully was the announcer in the movie, and uh, he's like, you know, does he have? Can he push the rock into the sky one more time? Or I, f- I forget the actual quote. And I know somebody will remind me what an idiot I am that I've botched it. But um, but does Tom Brady still have enough, you know, to you know to push the sun out of the sky or whatever it is, right? Does, can he do it one more time? And I think. Any other situation, Dave, I'd be more concerned for him. But with the amount of weapons he has around him, um, they're going to have a running game. Uh, you know, Mike Evans, he's got the old standby in Gronk. Um, I don't know that he has to be perfect. He just has to be good. And can he be good enough? And I think with this offense around right. him, I think that's possible. Well, and, and th- there is some thought that the offense he played with, the guys that he was teammates with last year were like a historically bad group of players. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I know there have been some some research and some thought put into that, that he just played with a really mediocre group of players. Maybe that's right, maybe that's not. But if that is the case, or if we're willing to consider that option, does that mean Cam Newton is playing with a bunch of mediocre not very good players this year well i think for the patriots though on the offensive side of the ball yes you know i mean i think defensively um now the patriots had eight players and significant guys um opt out so i mean their their defense might not be what it was last year they're still very strong in the secondary though i will say this about cam newton and I think this will be an interesting test to see if if my theory plays out the way I think it might, right? Um, and you're astute enough that, and have followed the Panthers enough that, you know, every single year, and a lot of teams say this, right, but every single year, maybe with the exception of one or two, the one of the big question marks was offensive line, right, for the Panthers. It's like, oh, well, you know, are they going to be able to protect right. Cam? Now, for the most part, you could make the argument that even though Cam did some amazing things, you know, his first three or four years, um, you know, he was among the, um, you know, when they would match up him against other quarterbacks. I mean, he was statistically in there. You know, obviously nobody, not too many people can run the ball as well as he has. And as many, I, th- I think the record he has is passing and throwing touchdowns in a season. Um, but he did he did more with less too here. In a lot of cases, I mean, there were times where he didn't have great wide receivers either. Now, early on, yeah, he had Steve Smith, but then after Steve Smith, you know, you, you ran in through a bunch of guys. Um, you know, Calvin Benjamin kind of kind of flamed out. Now, later in his career, and it's interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, Curtis Samuel and and DJ Moore and and, and how they react with Teddy Bridgewater. I think that's going to be a good offense defensively. I think there's a lot of questions there for the for the Panthers, but. I think for Cam Dave, I think he had again went healthy in you know where he's at because I think he's thirty one this year or he will be thirty one this year. Um, you know, can he still make up for deficiencies in other places? 
I think they're going to be very strategic in how they run him. I don't think they're going to take the running game necessarily out of his toolkit, but I think it's going to be very strategic when he does. And of course, one I mean, one of Cam's best plays is the broken play. I mean, how many times did we see, particularly on third down, where it looked like you know, I mean, he would turn a sack into a twenty or thirty yard gain, and I and I think you know he he forces defenses to account for him, and so there's a preparation angle that 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 is is different than you know quarterback that maybe doesn't move as much. I think people still want to see what kind of arm he has, right? I mean, you know, the shoulder was an issue here as well. So, you know, I I think it's great storylines, and I think you know, and I hate to, um, you know, be like, like this too, but you know, from the reaction I've heard from my friends and and family in New England is it's it's been mixed. It's been a mixed bag. Some people think it's great, and some people aren't really sure what to think. So, um, I think that it's going to be interesting. I because here's the thing: I could see he has the type of personality. Uh, now it has to come, I think, with winning too. But you know, if they come out of the gates and they're you know like three and one or four and zero, oh, I mean, the town's going to they'll light up on you know light up and get behind them. Who's going to win more games, Patriots or? Buccaneers. That's a good question. That is a really good question. Um, I would probably. That's a great question. I don't know that I ha- I didn't I wasn't prepared to to answer that. I would probably I think say I think Tampa Bay is probably overall balanced the better team. Uh, I think they're going to play in a little bit of a tougher division though. Um, I'll 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 go. I think Tampa Bay is going to have more wins than the Patriots. Yeah, I think it's a really tough question, too. I think there are a lot of questions about both of those quarterbacks. I'm a huge believer in Belichick, though I think there's definitely a chance their offense is going to struggle. And this is the most difficult schedule the Patriots have played in a long time. They've had some really easy slates. And this year, they play a pretty competitive group of teams from the NFC in their crossover games there. So so I, I think the Patriots are going to have challenges but but i do have incredible faith in bill belichick i mean i I think they're going to win i mean i think they're a playoff team but we we shall see and and let's end with this with the panthers and we're going to make our picks at the very end but but let's end with the panthers so you've got the patriots who are changing quarterbacks and the buccaneers who are changing quarterbacks the the Panthers not only are changing quarterbacks, but are changing coaches, styles, systems. What is the expectation with Carolina? I think that's been the million-dollar question here because, you know, obviously a lot of the moves um, have been, I think, toward retooling. I think that's fair to say. Um, But it hasn't been called a complete teardown, right? I mean, and even ownership, you know, David Tepper said, look, you know, we want to we want to we want to put together a sustainable model that that you know we want to be successful off the bat. And I think they understand that, um, particularly the way the division is. It, it's you know it's going to be challenging this year, right? And I think the goal is to try to be as competitive out of the gates as possible, win as many games as you can this year, and try to put together a system that you're going to have uh, sustained success, or at least be able to. Um, you know, on a fairly regular basis, have that sustained success. Um, I think what the Patriots have done over the last twenty years is is very difficult to emulate. Um, but I, I think from a, I mean, I, 
I've shied away from thinking about this, Dave, because I don't I don't have a good answer. Because you know, every, people always ask, "Well, how many wins do you think the Panthers are going to do this year?" And usually, you know, the last couple of years it's been not last year, but you know, it's been I I and I was confident that they were, um, you know, maybe a nine to ten or eleven win team in in some of the past years. Now, this year, I have no idea. I mean, I, you know, I think they're probably, you know, probably in a, a six to eight you know, six to nine game window. Um, but uh, the nine would have to be, a lot of things would have to fall into place for that. And for them to win 10, I mean, I just, I think that with the competition in the division, you know, they've struggled against Atlanta over the last couple of years. Not that Atlanta's going to be great, but, um, you know, you look at New Orleans and you look at Tampa Bay, and you know, those are four games right there that are going to be pretty difficult. Yep. Do you have any grandiose thoughts? Do you have a team that you think, will win the Super Bowl or a couple teams that you think are underrated or overrated? Do you have any 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 players you're particularly looking forward to? I mean, I, I know no one really talks about the Broncos. I think their rookie receiver, Jerry Judy, is going to be terrific. I mean, he, he was an unbelievable college player at Alabama. Yeah. I think he's kind of the second Anquan Bolden. He catches everything that comes his way. And I mean, you know, I, I'm not saying that he's going to be Michael Irvin, number two, but I, I think he's going to have a really good season. I think teams with with first-year coaches are really behind the eight ball. I mean, trying to put in a new system in this bizarre yeah. off-season with the pandemic and no preseason games, I think the quality play early in the year might be sort of mediocre because you haven't had that continuity and consistency in preparing for the season. But is there anything in particular that, that jumps off the page to you? Well, one thing I do want to add and dovetailing off what you just said, because I, I tried to bring it up earlier and, and we were in the conversation, we moved, moved on from it. I would be very interested to see what the first three to four weeks look like because uh, what you said, right? I mean, teams have really outside of scrimmaging themselves amongst themselves, you know, they really don't know, a lot of teams are still trying to figure themselves out. And you do have a lot of situations where there has been change um, and not so much head coach change, but what you mentioned, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, new quarterback, New England, you know, new quarterback, Carolina, new quarterback. Um, I think, you know, to me that I think that maybe favors a team like the chiefs early on. Um, Yep. You know, I mean, I I think they're going to be very interesting to look at. I mean, they would be, if you had to tell me, you know, uh, two teams that were going to be in the Super Bowl, they would be one of the two. Uh, in the NFC, I'm not – I mean, I would probably maybe say Tampa Bay. Um, just just kind of thinking off the top of my head on that one. I, I am – I'll be honest with you. I am I'm very interested in kind of the three situations that have kind of a closeness to me, which is I, I'm interested to see and hopeful that Teddy Bridgewater has a good year. You know, I, I, he's a great story. I liked him when he was at Louisville. Uh, obviously did well filling in for the Saints last year. Coming back from injury and when he was with the Vikings. So, I, you know, there's a good story, good story there. Um, and I think Panthers are a team, I think they're going to score some points. I think they have a chance to score some points. I, You know, defensively, who knows? I mean, it, the defense was completely made over. No Luke Keekley anymore. Uh, they do get K-1 short on the defense. Secondary, there's some issues. So, I, you know, I, the Panthers, I think, will be a work in progress. Uh, I'd like to see what happens with New England. You know, I mean, obviously they've had a lot of turnover with with guys opting out. Cam Newton being uh, um, really playing. He's you know he's on a one year tender and one year waiver. I mean, he's trying to um, you know resurrect his career and try and get one final big payday. And then 
you know, Tom Brady, does he have, does he have a chance to uh, light the spark somewhere else and win somewhere else? And, you know, that's a, that's an interesting story. So those, those three are kind of my, my big ones. I, I do think the chiefs are interesting. I mean, that was, that was just a fun team to watch last year. Um, but I, I do think Dave, that this first three to four weeks is going to be very interesting. A lot of times pundits will say, you know, one of the things you hear very common is, you know, team makes its biggest improvement between game one and game two. Um, this year it might be biggest improvement between games one and games three. So I don't know. It's, it's, I, I mean, and that assumes that we have games two and three. Well, yeah. I mean, I, that's a fair assumption. I, I would say this though. I would say just the way things are trending. I mean, obviously there are nothing is certain in this age. Right. But, I feel like the w- way things have progressed, I think we're more likely. I, I think we're more likely to be okay the first couple weeks, and and then maybe issues starting if they start opening up to fans and things like that. But I know the Panthers have have put a pretty good bubble around the players locally. You know, I mean, yep. Um, there's, you know, I, we were driving by the stadium the other day. We we have a new mechanic. Uh, our our mechanic uh, closed, so we went to a new guy, and it's down by the stadium, and drove by. And I had known this just from talking to people at the Panthers, but. Uh, the, the parking lot that we would normally go into for like locker room and things like that. That's only football players. Like staff has a separate parking lot. Yep. Um, so I, I think we're, we're likely to get, you know, a couple weeks in at least. Um, and, I, and, that, and that certainly is the hope, but I think the level of play, um, I mean, it's not going to be, it's not going to be exhibition from the standpoint of, you know, they're not going to take the starters out after the first series. But I mean, I think you'll see, I'd be interested to see, the number of or the percentage of false starts offsides this week, week one, as opposed to past week ones. Yep. Particularly early in the year, I think there's a huge advantage if you retain a core of your players and coaches from a year ago. And my pick of the week against the spread is one of those teams that has just about everyone back. It's um, Sean Payton and Drew Brees and a a New Orleans team that I think is really the class of the division and one of the two or three best teams in the NFC, probably along with San Francisco. Um, they're, they're only laying three and a half against Tampa at home, and I think that Tampa is a hype machine with Brady and company. I certainly think the Buccaneers are going to be able to score some points, but I don't think their defense is particularly good, and I think New Orleans will outscore Tampa Bay in week one. A couple of other things that I'm looking forward to are teams that might kind of have a little bit of a bounce back this year. I think Pittsburgh has always been a terrific run franchise. Last year, they were playing guys that, quite frankly, aren't NFL-caliber players at quarterback and with Ben Roethlisberger back. And I don't know how easily he's going to come back from the surgery, but if he's 80% of what he was and he's getting older, I think that makes their running game better. I think that makes their wide receivers better. And I think Pittsburgh is bound to have an improved season as well. I like the Rams to make a little bit of a comeback. They were everyone's darling two years ago, and then last year things didn't go right, but they have their core back, and their young coach didn't go from genius to dope overnight. (laughs) I think he's going to figure it out, and I think they're going to probably be okay. And then two teams that have a little bit of some questions, and they don't have the continuity 
the Browns were on hard knocks last year and everyone thought they were going to be phenomenal. I think the problem in a large part was the coaching in the locker room and now they have a new coach. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I'm high on Chubb and Mayfield and Odell Beckham. And I think they're going to be good. And then the team that no one ever talks about since, since Andrew Luck has, has left really is Indianapolis and I just think he is an unbelievable coach. I don't know if Philip Rivers has a whole lot left, but but I've watched I've watched Frank Wright go from team to team, from the Chargers to Indianapolis to Philadelphia. Everywhere he goes, the quarterback has the best year of their career, mm. and I don't think. We're at that point with Philip Rivers, but I think he's going to get a lot out of them. I think they have the best offensive line in the NFL and, and you know, kind of in the weeds, a team people don't pay a lot of attention to. I, I, I like the Colts. I'm high on them. And they play in a division with a bunch of teams that I don't like. I, I, I don't like Jacksonville at all. I, I think they've kind of had their head up their backside for mm-hmm. a long period of time. Houston, I think Bill O'Brien has made a lot of win now type moves and they're going to win regular season games, but I don't trust them in the long term. And uh, Tennessee I'm going to have to see Ryan Tannehill do it again before I really believe it. I, I just think Indianapolis is the adults in the room, and, and I like the Colts. Well, there you have it. Uh, do you have a pick of the week? Do you, I have a pick of the, the week? You've got the Patriots or six-and-a-half-point Patriots, six-and-a-half over Miami. Last year, you picked all the Patriot games, and you were phenomenal. You must have gone, I don't know, 10-6 and six or 11-5. Yeah, I, I made the something. playoffs, I think, with that number. Um I think I'm gonna t- no, I'm gonna no take the, I'm gonna take it. the Patriots here. I'm gonna take them at home at uh, they're home, right? Is that a home game? I just lost it on my yep, screen. Yep, Patriots yeah, are home, home. Yeah, they're at home. Yep, Patriots th- are home. Cam Newton has a lot to prove. I I think they're uh, you know now this is now in normal times this would be a, a I wouldn't say more interesting game, but you know Tom Brady w- would struggle against the Dolphins, and you know of course. Um, you know, you have a, a Belichick disciple on the other sideline uh, who had some good success last year. Uh, you know, kind of later in the year, kind of Brian Flores kind of getting that team going a little bit late. So I, I, I do. I like the Patriots in that game. I'm going to go uh, go New England on that. I'm going to take. I'll sh- be very interested to watch the Dolphins when Tua gets on the field. Yeah. Watching Ryan Fitzpatrick, who did have a really good year last year, is not my idea of a particularly good time. He's kind of a placeholder, and there's nothing wrong with that. But uh. But once Tua hits the field, that'll be fun to watch. Joe Burrow's going to be really fun to watch in Cincinnati. Yep. And yep. I don't know what to expect. I don't think the expectations are sky high for the team themselves. But watching those those young guys, I mean, Kyler Murray in Arizona, no one watches the Cardinals. He had a pretty darn good first year. I mean, they play in a really tough division with, with Seattle and, and the Rams and the 49ers. But... There are young, exciting guys. It kind of feels like that cycle at quarterback has finally taken place where Brady's older and still pretty good and Roethlisberger is older and still pretty good and Drew Brees is older, but you can see them cycling out and you can see kind of Russell Wilson being the elder statesman of the young quarterback, but Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and um, uh, the guy in Houston, uh, 
there are young, exciting QBs, and, and I include Baker Mayfield, and I include Joe Burrow, and I include Tua Tagovailoa, and, and watching those guys for a first and second time is fun. Well, it will be exciting nonetheless, and uh, we'll uh, we'll kind of recap what, what our thoughts are next week. So we'll be back next week. Bearded Carcast, you can follow along on Twitter at Bearded Carcast, and you can always email us, beardedcarcast at outlook.com.